Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What a weekend of sports. Wow. How many games did you watch? I mean, there are six NFL playoff games. There was a Jazz Friday night and Sunday afternoon. And there was a U game Saturday afternoon. And uh, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. And I watched most of it. It was awesome. Uh, We'll get to the NFL coming up in the next segment. Uh, Six playoff games, some wildly predictable, some wildly unpredictable. Obviously, some massive turnovers (laughs) shaped a couple of games. Uh, And we got the best of the Jazz postgame coming up later later in this hour as the Jazz get a pair of good wins. Uh, After after two ugly-looking losses, Brooklyn and New York, uh, the Milwaukee win was really good. They shot the ball very well in that game. The defense carried him against Detroit. They got off to a great start, but boy, in the middle of the second quarter, that offense started leaking oil. But they defended well enough and hit enough pressure shots. The lead never got closer than five, and they only got down to five because Detroit banked in a three. That was ridiculous. Um, and the Jazz win by ten. So, hey, back-to-back road wins, and uh, we'll see what they do in Cleveland tomorrow. And we'll get to the best of the postgame show coming up. But eh, I thought they did a lot of good things, you know, defending, holding the team to 86 points. Detroit didn't have a lot of weapons and a lot of guys who were on. Jeremy Grant had a big game and nobody else really did. Um, we got football tonight. Are you aware? It, I, this game always feels weird to me. Uh, you ought to be aware because of all the promos that are out there. But it's like uh, there's so much college football through the holidays. Especially this year, because the regular season just ran right into the conference title games and into the bowls and into the playoffs. Uh, but there's always that just crazy amount of bowls around New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And, uh, and you get the semifinals, and then there's this long break. Oh, yeah. There's the title game out there. <laughs> Usually between two teams, I have zero investment in. Not, not even like 5% but zero investment in. Uh, Alabama and Ohio State tonight. And uh, Bama's an 8.5-point favorite, and the over-under, I think it's like 75 points, which is an enormous number. Uh, So basically, for both those numbers to be true or at least close, you know, if if Bama wins 42-34, that would be an 8-point win, and that'd be 76 points in the number 75. So that's the kind of game that Vegas, the Vegas gamblers and the Vegas line have established. Uh, you know, if they hit it or not, we'll see. But if you're looking for something, it makes sense to me because I don't think you stop Ohio State. I think they score some points. You know, if they, 24, 28, 31, those are not outrageous outrageous numbers. They're going to score points. Now, for Ohio State, the question begins, can you get to 35, 38, or 42? Because they don't see how you win if you don't. I'm sure you're going to get to 24, 28, 31. I have no problem seeing Ohio State there. But they have to get to 35, 38, or 42 if they're going to win this game. Uh, Bama's going to score. I don't see how Ohio State's going to stop Alabama because I don't think anybody stops Alabama. I think they got too many weapons. But Alabama's defense isn't great, and Ohio State's offense is pretty good. So I would expect Ohio State to score some points. So this could be a pretty entertaining game tonight. I think in the end, Bama wins a high-scoring game. Um, 
how close it is. You know, are they up by three or four scores? You know, that'll be the interesting thing. Um, pressure's a funny thing, and these college kids are young, and I know they look like grown men, and that's because, you know, you got 300-pound linemen, <laughs> and you got 200-pound running backs <laughs> running running 10 flat hundreds. It's crazy. Uh, but, you know, emotionally and the pressure and all that, and it's the national title, and if Ohio State can get some turnovers and get a lead, because I don't think they're going to get many punts. So can you get them to turn the ball over, you know? Can you force a fumble? Helmet right on the ball. Strip them when they're running downfield. What what can you do? Make some big plays. And get something unpredictable and crazy to happen. All right. We'll look ahead to that later. Uh, the other thing that happened this weekend, the Utes. Utah played the 17th-ranked Oregon Ducks. And the Utes, who are not good on the road, are actually pretty good at home. And we're pretty good at home last year and have been pretty good at home this year. And Ryland Jones, we, we don't spend a lot of time on this, but the Utes' sophomore point guard, said um, in a media availability Zoom interview leading up the game, he said, you know, Oregon is pretty clear. If you turn the ball over and they get in the fast break, they're, they're going to kill you. You know, they're very good in transition. Keep them in a half-court game, maybe you got a chance. And the youth, I thought, largely kept them in the half-court game, limited the turnovers, and played a pretty good half, and we're up by 10? And I don't know what Dane Altman said at halftime, something along the lines of, how about you guys defend, get your butts in the passing lanes, force some turnovers, get into these guys. Sure enough, they did. And, I mean, it was a, a one-possession game in a heartbeat. <laughs> like, that 10-point lead just, that was a wet paper towel. That thing just fell apart. The 10-point lead was gone. But Oregon's really good, and they did what they do. So... Utes have three more games at home uh, this afternoon, Thursday afternoon, Saturday night. They, they got three more games. The games are coming fast and furious now. Uh, we're going to let you listen in to a little bit of, uh, of the post-game press conference with Larry Kristoviak after the Utes lose to 17th-ranked Oregon. Here's Larry. Larry, you, you told us last week that you guys were, were going to try to change up your lineup a little bit. You ended up playing, I think it was seven guys for, for most of the night. What did you think about the new lineup? Uh, no, I, we, we've got the same guys, uh, those same sevens playing, uh, Oregon started small. We're starting small. I, I, I'm not going to, you know, get into a whole lot of what we're doing with our lineups. I'm not going to make that a point of discussion. We just, the guys that the five guys that are out on the floor, we've got to make some plays and, uh, super proud of the effort, super proud of the effort. Something reared its head tonight that hadn't reared its head all season. Uh, and that was turnovers. The defense was unbelievable. Our defense was really good, I thought. You know, there's uh, an NBA guy or two on that other roster, and uh, we did a really good job uh, on on one of their leading scorers, number two. Uh, oh, is what I was calling him. He didn't score. And, you know, the, the, the situation I thought tonight was, you know, the, it's the 25 points on our turnovers. And a lot of that started in that stretch in the second half. They really picked up the pressure. Uh, there's a lot of hand check and a lot of physical play that was uh, uh, not called. And some games are like that, I guess. Um, but we got sped up, turned the ball over. And, you know, the def- the 25 points that they got off of our uh, off of our turnovers are oftentimes undefendable. But when we were in the half court, I thought we had a, you know, really great effort from our guys. We fought and scratched and shared the basketball, you know, missed a couple layups at the end, missed a couple open threes. And as we know, that's what it, this comes down to. But I told our guys in the locker room, we keep defending like that. A lot of teams only defend when they're making shots. We haven't seen our best offense yet. 
Um, and we've continued to hang our hat on playing some defense that's going to keep us in some games. I trust that the rim's going to open up and we're going to be able to score at a little more efficient clip. And uh, it's a fun group to coach when we're as dialed in as we are uh, defensively. And then to follow up on that, Timmy Allen uh, passed a, a a thousand points tonight, and it happened to be his birthday. Just I know I know it's a little bit harder coming off of a loss, but just what what does it mean to have him pass that that milestone? No, it's fantastic. There's not many people. I think he's maybe 40-some people in Utah basketball that have scored 1,000 points, and this program's been around for a long time. So uh, it's awesome, and, and I'm super proud of him. I mean, him and the other guys. You know, Mickey had a, a career high. Uh, we had some guys that stepped up and, 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 you know, really did a nice job. I thought Ryland took two charges at the end. Brandon Carlson got some big blocks for us. So guys are starting to play better. Um, and Timmy's a catalyst. He, he's, you know, maybe the head of our snake right now and uh, and did a nice job both offensively and defensively tonight. And it's a shame that we can't, you know, celebrate his birthday um, with a win. But this is not a time to do a whole lot of reflection. We've got seven games in a week. This was the first one. Um, you know, Colorado will come in here with more rest. Uh, Stanford will come in here with more rest. And then we got our hands full with Cal to finish it off. So this isn't uh, probably not a time to have birthday celebrations anyway. We need to get get rested up, get hydrated, and, and get ready to compete against a really good Colorado team on Monday. All right, moving along to Josh Newman. Larry, how much harder did things get for your kids there in the second half? It looked like Oregon, uh, you know, they were switching on – a lot of things after getting caught on slips a ton it, it, in the first half. How much more difficult was it to operate against their defense after halftime? Well, we struggled coming out of halftime and it was a lot of, it was, it was physical. There was a lot of pressure. It didn't really have a whole lot to do with any changes in what they did. They just got up and I know Dana challenged them in the locker room. They came out. We had a few passes that we didn't meet that were picked off, uh, you know, too many, too many turnovers. And, you know, we, we're going to have to clean it up. I thought we responded once we did get punched in the mouth to start the second half, you know, it was back and forth game all the way through the, uh, through the ending. So, you know, we, we managed to take the lead again after we got uh, overtaken in the second half, but that first three or four minutes coming out of the locker room was certainly the, uh, you know, the, the, the story of the game, I thought, where things, things got away from us. Just to follow that up, as you've been watching Pella, um, watching him in games, watching him go through practice over the last week, did you think that he could offer you more, give you more, if you gave him more time on the floor like you did tonight? Well, you know, I'm, I'm getting uh, – it's a little bit more of a defensive mindset. And when we look at our numbers uh, now that we've had, uh, you know, a decent sample size, we're the, – the, the unit that started tonight is our best defensive unit. And we give up less points per possession – you know, every analytic that you can look at. And um, that's what we're going to do is we're going to set the tone with our, our defense. It's not a demotion uh, for Fonz. Uh, I think Fonz can give us a great uh, spark off the bench as a sixth man. He comes in, maybe he doesn't see the same defensive focus. He might get a few more opportunities to score. So this is a collective deal. And I played long enough. A lot of guys played long enough. And, it, you know, it's it's about who is on the floor at that time to, to give whatever it is that they do, do their job. Uh, but I think Pell is obviously a bigger guard. It's a little bit of it's a little bit of a challenge, I think, to start Rylan and Fonz because they're two 
small guards and I've never had a problem playing small guards. I love small guards. You got to have a little, you know, a little something to you, uh, to bring to the table, some toughness and moxie and different things, but it just puts a lot of pressure when we get into pack 12 play to be that small, because theoretically we're a little bit undersized at every position. And I think it puts a little bit of pressure on you in your backcourt if you've got uh, a couple of undersized guards. So I like the rotations and we switch things up and those, those kids are doing fine. All right, moving along to Josh Furlong. All right, you finished with uh, 20 assists in the game, but you had 13 on 18 made baskets in that first half. You know what? It, it seemed like that was probably some of the most complete ball you guys have played in terms of passing and everything. Can, can you kind of talk about that effort in terms of, uh, you know, what you were able to see? Well, our guys were in the mindset of sharing the ball. We've got to do it collectively. I don't think, you know, uh, everybody in that locker room knows that this is a, a, a we thing, not a me thing. And uh, the, the mindset and some of the things that we worked on, this has been a long week of practice, but extra passes. And in order to get those 13 assists in the first half, we have to make shots. And I thought we made shots, made, uh, made extra passes, got to the rim. Uh, and not a whole lot changed, really, once we got through that three, four-minute segment to start the second half. We made the same passes, but it's not an assist if the ball doesn't go in. So, you know, I think we could have had in the mid-20s even more, perhaps, if we knocked down some shots. But it's a, it's a physical game. Uh, it was a little bit of a, you know, like a boxing match when you get into the late rounds. Both teams played uh, limited bench, and that's the story of the game. And perhaps we had, you know, you get a little bit tired. And uh, But like I said, I think our best offense is still ahead of us, and we, uh, we plan on getting there. There's Utah coach Larry Kristoviak. When we come back, NFL playoffs, and then later in the hour, best of the Jazz postgame show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So many NFL playoff games. My gosh. I got to admit, I didn't want them to go to seven teams. I really didn't. I think there have been too many shaky teams in the playoffs already, but there's a pandemic, and they're not making money off ticket sales, and they're not making money off concessions, and they're not making money off parking, and I'm sure it's hurting their merchandising, and they need to make some money back. And there have always been two TV windows there, just just begging to have games played in them. There's two NFL football games? Aren't there time in the day for three? Yeah, 17 weeks in a row through the regular season, right? Morning games, afternoon games, prime time. <laughs> Obviously, there's time for three. College, college squeezes in four because they play on the West Coast into the middle of the night. So this year we get the seven teams and we get the games, and I got to say I liked it. <laughs> and I didn't want to. I don't like it. I don't think it's a good idea. I'd be okay if they went back. And let's face it, it was a bust in the NFC. The Bears are not a playoff team. And as a seven seed playing a two seed uh, in, in the Saints, who's really solid and much better, well, of course the Bears got dominated. I mean, it was close at halftime, 7-3, but 
it just felt like it was inevitable. <laughs> you know, the Saints are going to move the ball and score some points, and and the Bears have a good defense, but their offense is horrific, and they only got the three points because they got the turnover, and that's it. I mean, it's not going to be a good game. But over in the AFC. Hey, those those were all good matchups. The AFC they put they put uh, only eleven win teams in the playoffs. That's a very high standard. You leave out a ten and six Miami team, and we got good games. And I just enjoyed having the three games on, and you know putting the game on Nickelodeon and tricking it up with all the bizarreness. Man, it, it's not for me. But I'm not the target demo. You know, if it works for somebody else, I saw people on Twitter saying, "Hey, I enjoyed watching the game with my kid. My nine year old liked it." And like, oh, okay, if a nine year old likes it, I mean, I got my traditional broadcast over here on CBS. So what do I care what's happening on Nickelodeon? Kind of looks like the wave of the future, really, because ABC and ESPN had their game on ABC, on ESPN, and then they had four guys in the studio just yakking, and they had multiple TVs going, and they were running it back and forth, and they were just breaking it down. And, you know, I, I would think if, you know, someone like uh, Riley Jensen, who comes on our show, who's a high school offensive coordinator, he was probably loving that stuff, you know, and different angles and watching the same play multiple times and if you want to watch it live it's over here in this box but over here we're running the video back and forth I know some people get a a migraine from it but you know for somebody else it's great and so I guess that's the future you know we'll see it tonight with the championship game with uh, Oklahoma and uh, Alabama and and they'll have you know they'll have the game going on multiple platforms and multiple different ways to watch it I'll, I'll just watch the traditional broadcast but hey whatever works uh, as we went through these games, as far as the competition on the field, it, we got a lot of good games. We got some upsets. The road teams won four of the six games. And obviously being a road team you know, this year that with little to no fans, it, it's a different deal. Uh, some of them we could see coming. Uh, Tampa Bay at Washington wasn't surprising. The Bucks were favored. Uh, the surprise was that Washington kept it that close and kept it entertaining without Alex Smith. I mean, once I heard Alex Smith wasn't playing, you know, I, I figured not only was Tampa going to win, it was going to be a blow out and Taylor Heineke proved to be really entertaining and despite that I never thought they were going to win the game and you know he'd he'd make a play and make it a one score game so eh, technically anything could happen it wasn't going to but it could and uh, Tampa won the game and I guess you could look at that and say hey was Tampa um, was Tampa not dominant enough and does this mean that they really aren't prepped to beat the Saints um I would say I thought they were going to lose the Saints before the game and after the game, so nothing in the game really changed my opinion. Um, but I get that for some people, you know, maybe it did. Maybe they look at it and think, man, the Saints team isn't sharp enough. I think there's also a strong argument to be made that, um, you know, it's what happens on that day. Uh, crazy things happen in the NFL all, all the time, and certainly turnovers shape that. And, and you know, the, the Bucks have lost to the Saints twice this year. And, you know, and there's another argument he made here that, hey, the Saints, um, you know, that game one win, well, the Bucks had a bunch of new pieces, and that, that's not a fair test. But the second game was worse than the first game. <laughs> the second game, Tampa Bay got behind 24-7 and Rally made it 24-17. And then the Saints pulled away again with 10 points. Uh, but the second game was 38-3. to You know, the turnovers in these two games, the, the Bucks have turned it over six times. And the Saints have only turned it over twice. So, not surprising that the Bucks have lost both the games. So, looking forward to that game and what uh, people have to say going forward. But it wasn't a big shocker. Even though it was entertaining, it wasn't a big shocker this week. And I thought the 7-9 and nine Washington football team acquitted itself much better 
much better than the eight and eight Bears did. I mean, that's that's not even a close call. Um, some of the other scores that surprised me. I wasn't surprised that Baltimore won at Tennessee. I thought that game was kind of a toss up. The fact that it ended up being a one score game, and uh, you know, Lamar Lamar Jackson's dynamic and made a big play with his legs. But I thought that's not surprising. That's kind of who he is and how they win. I thought the thing that was really surprising in that game was that the Titans had no running game and that Derrick Henry got shut down by the Raven defense. 18 carries, 40 yards. I mean, I think, you know, Derrick Henry, if he only gets 75 yards, you're feeling pretty good about yourself, 75, 80 yards, which is, you know, kind of an average nice day for most running backs and most teams, but he's not most running backs. <laughs> Derrick Henry, he had 250 yards just the week before. But, man, the Ravens stopped him. Uh, but I didn't think that was particularly surprising. I thought that was a close game, and I thought, you know, there was the Ravens, I think, had played a little better later in the season than they played earlier. Uh, the two games that were really surprising were games that were turnover-driven. Uh, the Rams went into Seattle and won, um, and Cleveland went into Pittsburgh and won. And Pittsburgh with the five turnovers, the fumble for the touchdown on the first play. I mean, they were just not prepared to play, you know. Died on the vine, as their coach said. Uh, they came out and just made horrific mistakes right from the get-go. It's 28-0. The two turnovers gifted Cleveland, well, one a score and another a short field. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, you know, I certainly I thought Cleveland had a chance to win the game, but I expected Pittsburgh to. Um, but it wasn't a wild mismatch. Uh, but at no point, I, I, at no point did I think Cleveland was going to run Pittsburgh off the field. And they ran them off the field. 35-10 to 10 at halftime. Wow. <laughs> you know, and it, it was never a one-score game. After that, so, uh, but the Rams, you know, Goff can't go. What chance do they have? And then Wolford gets knocked out in the first quarter, and Goff comes in and looks like he's going to play the whole game. And, and you know, he didn't end up with huge numbers, but he made the plays. And then the two big turnovers, you know, the pick six, and then the uh, fumble uh, punt gave the Rams a short fill late in the game, and they, and they scored four plays later and put it away. And, you know, the pick six was interesting. I read some stuff on that, and uh, that was just uh, a lot of film work. And they'd use that formation three times all year. <laughs> and, and he thought he knew it was coming, and he knew it was coming, and so it's pick six going the other way. Blow past the blocker, step into that pass lane, take the ball, and gone. Huge, huge play. In a 30-20 to 20 game, they, they gifted him 14 points. And it's not just the numbers. It's the momentum and the confidence, the feeling you get on the pick six. The defense is more, confidence, more confident. The offense is pumped up. It was, uh, it's a heck of a play. Heck of a, and a heck of a win for the Rams. And now they go to Green Bay. And again, I look at these four games coming up this weekend. And to me, that is the one. I, you know, if you've ever done the picks or even heard of them, where they use the confidence points. So you're not just picking games where you know you pick four games and how many you get right or this weekend you pick six or you know during the regular season you pick 16 games during the regular season they have these contests and sometimes people play them in their offices or in their families or whatever college buddies whatever it is and you rank them and you pick the games but the game you're confident in, you put 16 points on and the game that really worries you, you just make it a one point game so win or lose you don't lose or gain that much well, confidence points this week, man. The Green Bay over the Rams, that's my four-point game. I'm more confident in Green Bay against the Rams than I am in Kansas City against Cleveland. Kansas City, you know, can run the ball, or excuse me, Cleveland can run the ball with uh, Nick Chubb. He might give Kansas City. Kansas City's been a little vulnerable there at times. That's how the Raiders beat him and how they threatened him another time. The second time they played, they lost, but they threatened him. Um, 
So, you know, I'll give Cleveland a puncher's chance. They're not the favorite, clearly. Um, but I was thinking that looking at the games and the matchups, that the Rams are the one. You know, I, I think the Saints are going to beat the Bucs. Um, but that's like a 60 40 call. Um, don't count the Bucs out. Don't count Brady out. That's for sure. Uh, I think the Ravens have a decent chance going into Buffalo. Um, Boy, if I look at the four road teams, uh, who's got the best chance to win, Bucks or Ravens? That's a tough call. I think they both have a decent chance to win. Um, those are both 60-40 games. Uh, I think I'd probably take the Bills, but, man, the Ravens, you know, right there. Right there. they got a wild card, and their defense is playing good, and they got a wild card in their quarterback, so, you know. <laughs> don't don't count them out. We've been thinking they're wildly talented for a long time. Maybe now, you know, give the quarterback a couple games and get on a roll. And, and momentum's a funny thing, you know? And now Jackson's got some playoff experience. He's played three years in a row, so this will be his fourth playoff game. And the Ravens' defense has got to be feeling great. Now, this is a totally different offense. Totally different offense to defend. But I think it'll be really interesting to see um, see where this goes from here. All right, well, there's some NFL football for you. I think about 50 more things about that after working all weekend and and getting to watch all those games. Uh, But we'll leave it right there for now. More coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. DJ and PK coming up next, the best of the jazz post-game show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz are getting it together here, right? I hesitate to say anything too definitively. It's a long season and uh, just in the first 10 games now, we have already done an excellent job of riding the roller coaster. High highs after wins and low lows after losses. And there has been a whole lot of, you know, playing to the level of competition. You know, Milwaukee's a very good team. Portland, we think they're a very good team. Uh, the Clippers are a good team. And the Jazz won all those games. And we don't think Minnesota's very good, and the Jazz lost. And we don't think the Knicks are very good, and the Jazz lost. And the Nets without Durant, mediocre at best, and the Jazz lost. <laughs> so figure this team out. Good luck. Uh, but the Pistons are bad, and I thought the Jazz played well. I thought... Um, you know, it was obviously a great start. Uh, and obviously the offense bogged down, but they defended well throughout all of it, or they would have lost the game. You know, it's, it's very normal to give up 105, 110 points. And the Jazz couldn't do that. They won this game 96-86. They could not have won a game where they played mediocre defense and gave up 105 points. That would have been a major problem. Uh, and they did just enough offensively. Probably would have been a little more comfortable if, uh, you know, there had been a run at the end of the game and they pushed that... Uh, Five-point lead. It did get down to five at one point. Uh, and they won by ten. But it was a five-point lead with two minutes to go. It's like, oh, that's, that's a little close. Now it got to five because Detroit banked in a three. So that's why you want to have a big lead. So when crazy stuff happens, if somebody banks in a three, they didn't mean to bank. It's literally no one banks the ball from there. Um, you know, you want to have a cushion in case something freaky happens. Uh, so they got out of there and, and they win the game. Donovan Mitchell had another good game shooting the ball. And uh, Rudy made some big defensive plays. Uh, there were mistakes all over the place. Plenty of stuff to show them on film and clean up. But 
The important thing is, they won the game. <laughs> when in doubt, always remember, win the game. Way easier to learn from wins. All right, Jazz will be off now uh, tonight, uh, which is fine because we got Oklahoma or Oklahoma. We have uh, Ohio State and Alabama in the college football championship game, and then the Jazz will be back at it Tuesday and Wednesday in Cleveland and Washington. Right now, let's get to the best of the post-game show. Of course, you hear Jake Scott, and you hear Tim Lacombe, and they are on the pre-half and post-game shows right here on the Jazz Radio Network and the flagship 1280 The Zone. So let's listen in right now as the guys put a wrap on the win in Detroit right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz beat the Pistons 96-86. to The Jazz are now 6-4 and four on the season and they're currently 3-2 and two on this uh, eventual seven-game road trip. The Jazz were led by Donovan Mitchell who had 28 points uh, on 9 of 18 shooting. Mike Conley with a nice night, 22 points eight of, on 8 of 13 shooting. Mike also had 6 assists. Had a couple of steals. Jordan Clarkson with 18 coming in off the bench. Rudy Gobert had only 4 points but had 19 rebounds and 4 block shots. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Quinn Snyder. That's a really good win and wins are tough to come by in this league and particularly um, after the way we shot the ball against Milwaukee to come back you know and not have a good shooting night and win with defense was something that um, you know I don't think we've done that this year to that extent so in a low scoring game it was Good to see Rudy and Fave control the boards like they did, and we made enough plays to, to come up with a road win. All right. Um, we'll go ahead and uh, get Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, it seemed like you guys were kind of rolling right along in the first half. You're up as much as 20, and then you often speak about playing with force. It seemed like some of the force kind of disappeared in the second half. What what changed the course of the game? Well, it, you know, when you get a 20-point lead, that's a team that just beat Phoenix. Um, they split with Boston. Um, you know, you're not going to win by 40. Um, so I, I think the, the the good thing is that when we did, um, you know, sputter a little bit on offense that our defense held, um, you know, I, I think that them switching, you know, one through five and pick and roll, we haven't seen that in a little while. And, uh, you know, just being a little more poised in how we attack that. Um, but I think for the most part, you know, even though the offense wasn't, wasn't great during that stretch. Some of it too is, you know, when you're not making shots, you know, things can feel harder, um, particularly in those situations where they're defending this the way they were. So um, I'm more, you know, albeit, you know, I agree with you on the, the offense not being as good, but the offense was really good in the first half. And um, like I said, for us to be able to, to get stops when we weren't clicking on offense, I think is something that we, you know, we have a, we want a different way this game, and I, I like that particularly after such an emotional win against Milwaukee uh, to come out the way we did, and then as you said, you know, to weather those storms in the game. Um, they're a good team. They're physical. They're big. Um, so it's it's a heck of a win. All right, Kristen Kennedy, Jazz TV. Coach, I know you mentioned this briefly before, but I want to just get more of your thoughts on the concerted effort on the boards tonight. 64 to 39 advantage and Gobert 20 favors 14 of those. 
Yeah, that was one of the things that, you know, I don't know where they are. Top five, I think, in second chance points. Um, Maybe higher than that. Um, That's pretty high. So for those guys to be able to um, wrap up rebounds, I thought in the first half especially it gave us, you know, a chance to run. Um, To Eric's point earlier, when we got a little bit stagnant, um, the ball stopped moving the way we wanted, but we weren't giving up baskets and we weren't giving up second chance points. So that was a heck of an effort by both Rudy and Fave holding down the glass against a big team. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, we saw that um, you were pretty frustrated in the huddle between the third and fourth period. And I'm just wondering, what was it that had you sort of irked the most? Well, I think we all were, um, you know, myself or players, um, you know, they, they were, we punched back, you know, you know, I thought they, they threw some punches and we took the punches and came back and, you know, that's something our guys take a lot of pride in. And I just felt like, you know, that was within them and they pulled it out of each other. Sometimes they don't need to hear me say too much other than you guys take care of it. And they did tonight. I said it maybe a little more forcefully than that, but that's what I said. Uh, Tony Jones, the athletic Coach, what um what issues did did Jeremy Grant present for you uh, for you guys um, tonight? And you know, are you what what are your thoughts on on his offensive progression from when he's become coming to the league to now? We, we talked about that a little before the game. <clears throat> I think those you know the way that he played and his progression are kind of one and the same. Um, you know, he's. He's been consistently making threes. He did it against this last year in the playoffs. Um, you can tell he's really confident from the line. And when he's able to put the ball on the floor the way he is, um, the way he's been doing, um, you know, it makes it hard. When you have when you're when you have that much length and height um, to take away that shot, gives him opportunities to drive. And, you know, he's so efficient around the rim. Um, I thought we you know, we, him playing it to three, he's usually going to draw a matchup with a smaller player. And then with Blake on the court and Plumlee, um, it's tough to come help and not give up the board. So, you know, I thought we did an excellent job trying to stay in front of him. And sometimes he gets to a spot and he's athletic and he's able to get those shots off. And clearly he's playing with a lot of confidence. So, you know, I think he, he's, he's a heck of a player. And we saw that tonight and we knew that going in. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. His team came away with a win last night, 96 to 86. Let's move on and hear from some of the players. Let's start things off with Mike Conley. Uh, first question will come from Ryan Miller, KSL.com. Hey, Mike. Uh, we saw Quinn kind of drop his clipboard in your player saddle at the end of the third. What was kind of his message there? Uh, his message right there was that. It's nothing on the the, the clipboard, uh, X's and O's wise, that is going to change the game. It's got to be within our team and our mindset defensively and our mindset to run uh, up and down the court. So he put it on us. Um, he didn't draw a play up. Told us to go out there and, and we're not running plays. We're going to go out there and we're gonna play hard and, and compete and uh, finish the game. So that's kind of what the message was from from there on out from our from our players. Next up, Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Mike, I know you've talked a lot about 
kind of the changes in pick and roll between Mark and Rudy, but what's the biggest thing? Is it timing? Is it Rudy's preference? Is it just knowing when to commit one way or other to the defense? Well, yeah, I think, you know, obviously the the biggest difference is Mark kind of spaced the floor uh, in a different way with his three point shooting. So, um, you know, you could always kind of count on the big trying to get, get back to him. Uh, In Rudy's case, the big drops in the paint to prevent his role. So, for me, now I have to hold the ball a little bit longer, um, be a little bit more patient in the paint. Um, and, you know, I'm so accustomed to making reads pretty quickly. And and now I just have to just hold the ball one or two more dribbles and, you know, use a couple pump fakes and, and find them in different ways. And it allows me to, you know, just play a more patient and um, controlled game when, when we're in the pick and roll. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, I'm kind of curious to know what changed from the first half to the second when you guys were rolling along pretty well offensively to the game kind of becoming a little bit mucked up. Was was Detroit doing something significantly different in the second half or, or was it you guys just kind of being inconsistent with execution? Um, you know, I think they made the adjustment at halftime to start switching, you know, pretty much all the pick and rolls, um, which for us ends up we can get a little bit, you know, sticky with the ball and, and, and guys get uh, a little bit too much one-on-one going. And in the first half, you know, they weren't playing that way. We were able to, to get in the paint and make plays for each other and kind of get the ball spinning around the, the perimeter um, in that fashion. But they made the adjustment, and it's an adjustment that a lot of teams have, have, have made against us and uh, happened in our Phoenix game. Uh, it's going to happen again in, in, in the future. So we're going to have to – continue to work on it and figure it out as it goes. There's Mike Conley. He was very good yesterday. 22 points, 6 assists, 8 of 13 shooting. He was 2 of 4 uh, from 3. He even added a couple of steals. Let's now let's hear from Rudy Gobert. All right, we'll start uh, with uh, Tony Jones, the athletic. Rudy, um, this is a Mike and Donovan question. They seem to be to, to have some real synergy. Um you know, on the floor and, and, and cross lineups, um, you know, what's, what's the, the rhythm between, you know, both of those guys knowing when to kind of take the, take the game over knowing when to kind of let the other, the other guy kind of eat off the dribble a little bit, um, you know, and when they're playing together and, and obviously when each one of them are playing uh, in different lineups and kind of running the team on their own. I mean, I think it's uh, it's a synergy that just comes with time. And, uh, you know, last year was Mike's first year with us. Uh, you know, he, he had played his whole career with, this, with the same team in, uh, in Memphis. And, uh, you know, I think he was trying to uh, let himself adjust to, to us and the way we play. And uh, he didn't want to step on nobody's toes, you know. And uh, I think since the bubble, you know, he really found his mark and... Uh, and also Donovan is, uh, is is growing as a you know as a leader and a, and as a player and is a is aware of Mike and you know when we're able to be aware of one another on the court you you just gain great chemistry. All right, next up, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Rudy, when Donovan has a start like tonight, a first quarter like he had, how important is that, and how does that impact what you guys are all able to do? It says the tone, you know, whether it's offensively or defensively, you know, when we have a, a start of the game like we had today, uh, it really sets the tone and, uh, you know, it's something that we want to have every night. And the, the, the main thing for us is to 
be able to keep playing the right way, uh, even when things don't go our way, like uh, like they did tonight. At some point, they made a run, but we we stay with it. We kept playing defense and uh, we kept moving the ball offensively. And when we do that, we pretty good team. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, the, the finishing maybe hasn't been for you where you want it to be over the last few games. As you kind of remember those plays, what do you want to be doing differently? What? What do you want to be doing differently as you remember those plays? Uh, I mean, today there's a lot of things that I should have finished uh, that I didn't. Obviously, the free throws also. Uh, you know, it's things that I know we, we, we come along. Um, you know, but the main thing for me is to keep keep doing what I'm doing defensively, uh, you know, and uh, and offensively keep getting my teammates open by either running the floor, setting screens, and uh, and then uh, I'm going to be better finishing and, uh, and creating opportunities. You know, it's uh, there's, there's some games like that when it happens, but, uh, you know, it's on me to, uh, I'm going to watch film and see, you know, see uh, all the opportunities that I had, but I know that uh, I had a few today that I should have, I should have finished. And, uh, and also the free throws. All right, last question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, Donovan said after the end of the Bucks game that if you guys didn't keep playing defense that way, then it wouldn't matter. Obviously, you come into Detroit and you have a pretty incredibly effective defensive performance. What were you guys doing that you liked? What still needs a little bit of work? I mean, that's the... That's who we are. We we know that uh, there's going to be nights when the shots are not going to fall. And and uh, in the previous game that that we've lost, we let that affect our defense. And uh, our identity is to be a, a defensive team that then runs the floor and uh, and spreads the floor and uh, and we get a lot of shooters and we score a lot of our defense. So we we know that uh, you know when we when we bring in defensively, we go, give ourselves a chance to win every single night and. Uh, when we don't have a, a great shooting night like we had in Milwaukee, we're still in a position when we when we can dominate and uh, and we did that tonight. You know, we we had a we had a great start. They they, they came back, they kept grinding, and uh, you know we stopped making shots, we stopped turning the ball over, but at, at the same time we we kept our physicality and uh, we kept rebounding defensively, and uh, we didn't let the offense affect our defense. And now we're in a position where we can. We're able to win the game. That's Rudy Gobert. Four points, but he had 19 rebounds and four block shots. I thought he made a really good point, too, when he said uh, the Jazz did not let their offense, when it was uh, sluggish at times, affect their defense and still managed to play pretty good defense uh, throughout the entire game. All right, let's uh, wrap things up with a little sound from Donovan Mitchell. Sure, Todd, Deseret News. Donovan, after you and Rudy signed your extensions, there's obviously external expectations that are raised for you guys, um, you know, because you're getting the lion's share of the salary cap. Do you feel pressure that you have to play to a certain level because you're one of the highest paid guys on the team? Not really. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, pressure is what you make it, you know, and I think if you, especially the external pressure, I should say, I think the biggest thing, you know, if you allow that, 
you know, that to kind of play into your mindset. I think that's what kind of consumes you and it takes you out of the direction of the team. You know, at the end of the day, I've been, I think both of us, I don't think, I know both of us are, you know, team first guys and we want to do anything that helps the team win. And that's really where our heads have been at. You know, I've, I've, I've heard it, you know, at the first person to, to say that, you know, to kind of say like there's a pressure that comes with this pressure. I think at the end of the day, it's just something that, you know, personally, I love it. I like pressure. You know, I think that's why we play this game. You know, I think it's just the high intensity of it. And I think this is being paid is something that I'm able to take care of my family. You know, if anything, that's a relief. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's be able to take care of my family in that way and, you know, just play the game and just go through it. You know, you know, we can you can say say what you want but I think at the end of the day I think we're both focused on you know just doing whatever helps the team win you know we're going to have our ups and downs but you know I don't really I now know he doesn't as well doesn't really look at it as like oh you know we got to go out there and you know be miraculous every night you know at the end of the day you know we're humans and we're going to make mistakes but we're going to do really good things as long as it's in the benefit of the team I think we're both in good shape Christian Kenny Jazz TV Don, I didn't get to see this during our interview, but what the heck, man? George Niang left you hanging there on that high five as you're walking off. That was tough. That was tough. You know, I, I, we we um, we got into a fight afterwards. No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, um, you know, he just he just left me there. It was uh, it was messed up, but you know, make sure he made sure to get me back. And um, it was tough they got that on camera for that long too. Uh, that was a tough one. I feel like Josh Hart. <laughs> All right, last question goes to Ryan Miller, KSL.com. Hey, Donovan. Um, just with the game being postponed today, a lot of teams playing with eight guys, what's kind of your reaction to the COVID stuff going on in the league? Austin. What game got, a game got Boston and Miami got postponed? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, did, I didn't even know that. Um, what's my reaction to that? Or Yeah, yeah. and then kind of well, how do you guys handle that just kind of moving forward with that kind of the possibility? Well, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, that's life. You know, it's bigger than the game. It's not like something you can really do. And the biggest thing is just being cautious. You know, it's COVID's a real, real thing. It's it's around ways and our mask as much as possible. You know, be smart and just follow the rules, you know. And, you know, I, I'm not to say those teams weren't, you know, but at the end of the day, it's, it, it may happen. You know, you, we can't. It's not like we're in the bubble where, you know, everybody's around each other. It's the same group of people. You know, we have family. The players in the league have family, have friends. You know, you go eat somewhere. It's 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 out there. So you just got to be safe, you know. And um, fortunately, I don't have family that live with me, immediate family. So my, you know, my sense of, you know, what certain things aren't the same as, say, you know, a, a Jason Tatum or even Joe or a, a Mike Conley. Like, you know, I don't have kids in the house. right. So, like, I'm, you know, I'm safe, staying safe. But, you know, those guys in particular, you know, that have families at the house, you know, have to, you know, you know, a different level of uh, – what he said, different, higher awareness, you know, I think, so he's got to be selfless and think for them, not just for myself. And I think that's all you can really do, um, you know, and just be thankful that, you know, where we are, where we are and continue to just be safe. All right. Thanks, Don. And Lamar Jackson won a playoff game, so I'm happy today. There's Donovan Mitchell, 28 points on nine of 18 shooting, three assists and two rebounds and uh, uh, happy for his fellow Louisville Cardinal uh, Lamar Jackson picking up his first career playoff victory yesterday as well. Jazz win 96-86 over the Pistons. Next up for the Utah Jazz, they take on the Cavs tomorrow night in Cleveland. That game will tip off at 5.30. Pre-game uh, begins at 4.30. There is the best of the post-game show. All right, stay with us. Coming up. 
Coming up next, what is trending? Look ahead to tonight's college championship game. Look back at six NFL playoff games. The Jazz win. Uh, the Utes lost over the weekend. That was a crazy game. Uh, we'll get to all of it coming up. What is trending next on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.